0: This morning we are going to look at one of the shortest, complete writings of the New Testament. It's only 25 verses long, and it depicts a beautiful portrait of grace and the difference that the love of Christ can make, no matter what your background or your social status. And it's an example of two little-known followers of Jesus. It involves the life of a runaway slave— and the slave owner named Philemon. And God used the apostle Paul as Paul's path crossed both of these people's lives. And through the message of Christ and the Holy Spirit's leading, it changed their lives. It's a real example of the difference for good that Jesus can make in the world. And no matter what situations that we face, how difficult or irreconcilable they may seem, if we really take the gospel message and then applying Christ's uh, directions to our lives, it can really bring about positive things in the community and in the world and in our lives. So again, though they're not familiar names to most people today, uh, you know, we, we know people like the Apostle Paul, you hear that, or Peter, or James, or John. But as we're talking this month about what it means to follow Jesus, I wanted to give you some examples from the New Testament of some names like these that you're going to hear today that aren't mentioned very much, but yet they're a powerful example of how you and I... Whether, uh, of course, the Lord is having me to to speak and be a preacher and a teacher, but you don't have to be a preacher or a teacher or a missionary to be a follower of Jesus. He wants us to be faithful to him in our everyday lives, and so we want to give you some examples of that in the Scripture this month. So the slave's name was Onesimus, and I'm just going to nickname him Oni, for short today, Not, no disrespect, but we're gonna give him that little nickname, and so I'll refer to him as Onesum or Onesimus. And then to help telling the story, I'm gonna shorten down and give Philemon a nickname, and we're just gonna call him Phil. So this is a story about Phil and Oni. And Phil was a wealthy resident in the city of Colossae, and we can piece this together by some of the writings of the Apostle Paul in his letters in the New Testament. So what I'm gonna share with you today um, Yes, there is a little bit of inference that's taken from this, but a lot of it can be backed up with scripture. And one of the facts is we know that Philemon was living in the city of Colossae. And he had many slaves, one of which was Oni. And uh, the, the actual full name Onesimus, it was a common name given to slaves because it meant useful. So that word Onesimus means useful. But there came a time and a day when Oni wasn't very useful because he didn't show up. He didn't show up for work. The Bible doesn't tell us why Oni ran away, but it's not hard to imagine. If you understand anything about slavery, and I know we have come a long way in this country and in the world, but I've mentioned this before when I speak on this subject. There are still many forms of modern slavery that is going on. Human trafficking, for one. Um, people who are using, exploiting children and women for the pornographic trade and posting things on the internet and using drugs to encapture to, them and entice them and entrap them and then use them. And that's another message for another day. But the point is this, don't just tune this out and think that, well, okay, this is about slavery. It doesn't apply today. Now, this was a different kind of slavery, of course, because uh, Phil had actually purchased Oni And so it was like Oni was a piece of his property. So it's not hard to imagine why Oni would want to leave. I mean, who would want to wake up every day living your life, uh, being told what to do, being treated like a piece of property, having to put the other person's need before your own? Now, don't get funny with me and say, hey, that sounds like my marriage or that sounds like my family. (laughs) You know, it's really nothing to joke about. I mean, I know sometimes we can feel that way, but this was a serious thing. So he was literally treated like a piece of property. So it's obvious that over a period of time, he would look for his opportunity to want to gain his freedom. And that's the thing in in this particular story that we're looking at today, which is again a true story, is Oni was pursuing freedom. He wanted, he was desiring freedom, and so he was willing to take whatever risk it was to be free. And um, so whatever the reason, he was on the run. And here's the thing, when you start running from something, um, you have to keep running. And so this was Oni's life now. He had left his past and was trying to get away from it, but he couldn't fully escape it. And so he was on the run all the time. We also don't know this, but it's quite likely that he probably stole some things from Phil Because how else would a slave with no rights and and really no possessions be able to run away and then find places to stay and have some type of financial resources, whatever it was, to try to live day to day. So it's quite likely that Oni probably stole some stuff from his master as well. So that was Oni's problem. He was on the run, pursuing freedom, desiring freedom, but he wasn't really free because he had to keep running. And in those days, punishment for a runaway slave was severe. Now, Phil, he was really upset because he had put an investment in Oni. And again, it, does, it doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say that he was a cruel slave owner. There were actually many slave owners that treated their slaves very well and were kind to their slaves. And actually, in the Old Testament, uh, there's some examples of if you were a slave and you... Uh, started a family while you were a slave and you got along with your master and you loved your family, even though it was time for you to be set free under some certain Jewish laws, if you didn't want to be set free and you wanted to stay with your family, you could choose to say, I'm just going to be a permanent slave and this is because I I love my family and and my master is good to me, so I want to be, be a part of this. I know that sounds crazy, but there were instances where this happened. So even though slavery isn't a good thing, there were instances where slave owners were kind to their slaves and and really cared about them and wanted to take care of them. Well, anyway, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, these exact details, but we can draw that inference. So, again, two different people, Oni, a runaway slave, Phil, a slave owner, and they were pursuing different things. One was desiring freedom, And the other was desiring wealth. So that brings us back to Phil again. He had uh, purchased these slaves. They were investments. And so it's obvious that he was a man who wanted to pursue wealth, and that was his desire. That was the important thing in his life. Now, how do we relate this to you and I today? Well, let me ask you, is there something in your life that you feel like you're still trying to run from your past? Something you're trying to get away from or something that just kind of haunts you that you can't quite get free of. So maybe you could relate a little bit to, to, to this message today. Or maybe you're a person who finds comfort and stability in wealth and so that's what you're pursuing. You're pursuing a better job, a better career, more money. You get certain things that you have your needs met, but then you're like, well, you know, okay, I've got this need met, but I'd really like to have this. I'd like to put more money in my my retirement or I'd like to get a better car or a better house. So maybe you're kind of like Phil and your pursuit and your desire is wealth. Well, the Apostle Paul, as he traveled and as he shared the gospel message, there was a time when he he crossed paths with Philemon. And Philemon was impressed with Paul because Paul was an educated man. And he began to hear Paul talk about this person, Jesus, who was the son of God, who literally came to earth to reveal God to us, and who wanted to demonstrate his love for us so much that Jesus was willing to die on the cross for all of our sins. No matter what your background or what you had done, Christ paid the price for your sin. It's quite likely, because Paul wrote things like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse nine, it's quite likely that in the, the message that Paul spoke that Phil heard, he might have said something like this. He talked about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. It's quite likely that Paul said something like that in this, in this message, and Phil heard that, and he's like, wow, I've been chasing after wealth, and yet the God who created this universe and who created me left the glories of heaven and all of his wealth and came into this world and then gave his life for me that I might have spiritual wealth? It's possible that he heard Paul say the words of Jesus, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their own soul? Whatever the message was, and we know this was part of the gospel message, Phil's heart was touched. And he realized that he needed to stop pursuing wealth and begin to pursue Christ and receive Christ as his Savior. So Philemon became a believer in Christ. And we also see from what we're about to read in the scriptures that Phil and a relative, it was quite likely his wife, we don't know that for sure, but probably Phil and his wife, Athia, opened up their spacious home in the city of Colossae and they started a small group ministry. They started inviting people in the town to come to their house. They talked about Jesus. Uh, They studied the word and it literally turned into a church in the city, a house church. We still operate that way today. We have small group ministries that go on in this church out in the community. It happens all across America and around the world. So this is a part of the church that has existed since its inception. So they had this house meeting uh, that was that became a church, and they were making a difference in the community for good. Now, here's the amazing thing: time passed, and the apostle Paul continued his travels. And Paul had a difficult ministry because every town he would go to, when he, he would go to the Jewish people first, and he would tell them, "Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins and rose again. You need to put your trust in Jesus." But many of the established religious people in those cities who were following the strict Judaic law, they rejected that teaching. They didn't believe Paul. And they didn't put their trust in Christ. And so like we see today in political circles and in this cancel culture that we are in, they didn't like that message. And they said, "Nah, we don't want to hear this. You be quiet. And so they wanted to shut Paul up. And so they begin to accuse him of starting riots. Hmm, we, we hear that in the news all the time, don't we? And don't get mad at me, folks. It's Democrat, Republican. It's left and the right. You cannot watch the news without seeing riots and burning and all this kind of stuff that is going on in our country today. So I'm being fair about this. It is everybody's guilty of it. And this is why this is so relevant because this is what the Apostle Paul faced. He was trying to tell people about the love of Christ and he was being accused of doing things that he didn't really do and then people would believe the lies about him and he would end up getting arrested and thrown into jail. And God in his wisdom even used Paul's jail time. It's when Paul wrote a lot of the letters that we have now in the New Testament. So God's ways cannot be thwarted. He works through all things if we'll trust him. Now, here's the amazing thing. In Paul's travels and all these troubles that he went through, we don't know exactly how it happened, but somehow, Oni's path and Paul's path crossed. And Oni heard Paul talk about Christ and quite Possibly he heard Paul say something like what Paul had written in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that touched Oni's heart. Listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Quite likely he heard Paul say something like that. And it touched his heart and he's like, you mean even though I'm a slave in Christ, I can be forgiven and, and I can be the same as, as my slave owner? That God would look at me in the same way socially and, and I could be acceptable to Christ. And it touched Oni's heart and he gave his life to Christ and received Christ as Savior. He knew he needed that in his life. And even though he had been running from his past and running from his problems, in a way he realized he had also been running from God. So he gave his life to Christ and he began to help the Apostle Paul in his ministry while Paul was in prison. So Paul understanding this, and Paul now saying, oh my goodness, what a dilemma. I have a friendship with Philemon, and now I've got a relationship with Onesimus, and I have learned that Onesimus actually ran away from Philemon. And these guys, there's got to be some kind of resolution because I don't want Oni running the rest of his life. I don't want him to be on the run. And now that Phil has accepted Christ, he needs to understand that Oni, And he are brothers in Christ. And he needs to start treating Oni differently, but Oni still needs to go back and try to get reconciled. And so that's what the Holy Spirit put on Paul's heart that he needed to challenge Oni to return back to Phil, and he needed to challenge Phil to receive Oni and not to punish him. You see, even though I'm sure the Apostle Paul and maybe Oni and Phil all thought, well, you know, sometimes we just don't get along with people here on earth. But when we die and go to heaven, we're all going to get along, right? And so we want to think about harmony in heaven. But then sometimes down here, we just kind of put up with all the aggravation and, and mistrust and difficulty. And that is not the way that God wants it to be. In fact, there's this old little rhyme that I always get a chuckle out of. I'd forgotten it till I was looking through and researching for this message. And it goes like this. To live above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. But to live below with saints we know, that's another story. (laughs) And so that's kind of what had happened here with Oni and Phil. You know, they, they weren't getting along. And Paul knew this, and he's like, these guys are going to be spending eternity in heaven together forever, so they need to get reconciled now. Here's a challenge for you and I today. Is there someone right now that you've got a bit of an edge with, something that you feel isn't right. Maybe you're upset with them, something that happened years ago or last week. Or maybe you've done something to someone else and you you felt like you didn't really do anything wrong but you found out they're upset with you. This message is for you and I. This is a message that the Holy Spirit is speaking that we can learn from these early followers of Jesus how to apply it to our life if we really want to experience peace and reconciliation, and forgiveness, and not wait somehow till we get to heaven and dad straightens it all out, but that we're gonna learn to honor him now and follow his spirit. So Paul demonstrated in a very real way the grace of God. Paul took on the role of a mediator and wanted to help these guys to work things out. So that brings us now to these 25 verses that we're going to look at together. This is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to Philemon about Onesimus and he lays out three things that are necessary between these two individuals, each from different social status and backgrounds and yet now they are brothers in Christ. So let's take a look at it together. Philemon chapter, well, I started to say chapter one. There is no chapter one, it's just it. So Philemon verse one, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So you see, Paul is writing this from prison. Again, God using even a bad circumstance in Paul's life to continue to help Paul to have the time to continue to minister. There's no excuse to stop ministering. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Here again, this is how we know that Phil and Afia had started this church and this ministry in Colossae in their home. Verse three, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Here, Paul is reminding Phil. He's saying, you know, I I have heard many good things about you, and I'm so grateful for this report that I've heard back about the love that you have for all believers and you're making a difference in your community, and I'm praying for you, and I'm grateful for you, and we need to continue to think about all that God has blessed us with, and how he is using us, and that he is, get this, deepening our understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Paul is very wise here, and the Holy Spirit is directing him, and he is reminding Phil, and setting him up kind of for what he's about to ask. Because when Phil starts reading this letter, he doesn't know what's coming next. Verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Again, he is grateful for the love that he has seen in Philemon's life demonstrated in the way that he's treated others and especially believers. Verse 8, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. This is an awesome thing. This is a principle. We see the heart of God in what the Apostle Paul is writing here. Because God is our creator, and I've said this many times in the messages, God could absolutely command us to love him in return. He, when he created us, he could have not given us free will, he could have not given us a choice, he could have just said, I'm gonna design these people and they have no choice, they're gonna love me in return. But in his wisdom, he understood that love that is forced is not really love. And so he had chosen us and chose to love us and create us. He loves you, that's why you have life, because God loves you. And then he went a step further and said, I want you to return that love, but I want it to be your choice. And you may not believe that I love you, so I'm going to come into this universe and this world that I created, and I'm going to become one of you, and I'm going to demonstrate my love. And he did that through the person of Christ, and the way that Christ taught, and the way that Christ cared for the poor and healed the sick and did all of the miracles and showed that he was all the credentials of God in the flesh. And then to top it off, he also was falsely accused. And he stretched out his arms, and as they nailed him to the cross, because he told the truth, they said, Are you the Son of God? And he said, Yes, I am. And they didn't believe him, and they screamed, and they canceled him. We don't want to hear that. We can't believe that message. We don't believe it, so just shut up. We're going to kill you. And they nailed him to a cross. And this is what he said to cancel culture. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is what we need to do when we get really upset with people that say things that really anger us. We need, if you've received the forgiveness of Christ, you need to offer that to others. I know it's hard, and I know it brings out all the emotions. Again, no matter which side you're on, but if we truly are following Christ, we've got to do things his way, and there has to be forgiveness, and there has to be redemption, and there has to be reconciliation, and that's why Christ, as he hung on the cross, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he gave his life for you and I, and he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And then when he said it's finished, he didn't mean his his life was finished. He meant the payment was made for your sin and my sin. I've demonstrated your love, my love for them. And then he conquered death, and on the third day came out of that tomb, and he gives us the choice even still to this day. Will you believe? I I love you. I've demonstrated my love Now I'm waiting on you to make the choice. Are you going to choose to return my love? This is what Paul is writing to Philemon. He's saying, you have demonstrated love to other believers, and you started this church, and your love is is a blessing. And because, this this is what Paul was uh, uh, kind of referring to. He said, I could order you to do this. Why would Paul say that? Well, it's because... Philemon had accepted Christ under Paul's ministry, so Paul was kind of like his spiritual father. And so Paul had every right. He could have said, you know, uh, if it weren't for the Lord working through me, Phil, you wouldn't be a believer. And so I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to take Oni back, and you need to forgive him for what he's done. So Paul was saying, I could order you to do this, but I, I would prefer... To, to do this on the basis of love. And this is where I go back to saying, here the Apostle Paul is reflecting the heart of God, because that's how God deals with us. He, he could command us, but he wants us to do it on the basis of love, because we recognize his love for us and we want to return it to him. So again, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer, appeal, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love, it, is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Wow. Now, can you imagine Phil reading this? Like, he's never heard of Oni. He's upset. He's got this runaway slave. And now, here is Paul writing this letter to him, and there he sees that name again. And I just wonder if when he first read that, if there wasn't a bit of anger that welled up. What? What? That's him? Where, what's he been doing, where is he at? But thankfully, he continued to read. And notice that he, that how the apostle Paul refers to Oni. He says, I appeal to you for my son. This is how we know that Onesimus accepted Christ under Paul's ministry and preaching because that's how Paul would refer to people. If they had accepted Christ under his preaching, he referred to them as, as his kids. These are my kids and, and even though God is our father, I want to be a spiritual father and help and encourage them to grow in their faith. And notice also he's reminding Phil about his age and the fact of all of his suffering that he's in prison. So he's really doing a good job of kind of appealing to Philemon's emotional side. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. So here we see it was while Paul was in prison that Onesimus accepted Christ. Maybe Onesimus had violated some law. Maybe he did get caught for being a runaway slave. And maybe Oni got arrested. And maybe he was in a prison cell right next to Paul. And he heard Paul preaching while they were in prison together. Again, the point is this. God in his wisdom caused their paths to cross. And Paul, being a faithful follower of Jesus, even though he was in jail, he didn't whine and moan and complain and say, "Why is this happening to me? He just kept sharing Christ. He saw it as an opportunity to use the predicament he was in to have a chance to talk to people that normally he wouldn't be able to talk to. And so Onesimus accepted Christ. Now look at the play on words here. Remember I said Onesimus was a common name for slaves because it meant useful? Look at verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. That's kind of fitting for Valentine's Day, isn't it? (laughs) Different kind of a valentine, but he's saying, you know, I love this guy so much. He's my son in Christ, and I've seen him, the change that Christ is making in his life, but he needs to get reconciled with you, and you guys need to get reconciled because you're both followers of Jesus now. So remember, as I'm sending him back to you, it's like I'm sending you my very heart. So again, Paul's reminding him, remember, it was through me that you came to know Christ. Verse 13, I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. Here again, choice, free will. Paul is appealing to Phil and putting it kind of back in his lap, so to speak, to say, this is what needs to happen, but you have to make the choice. So that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. You see the consistency of the gospel, and again, of of our response to Christ and to one another in Christ, it shouldn't have to be forced. It should be led of God's Spirit and us making that choice to respond and treat each other in the way that we should. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. Now listen to this. This is profound in the day that Paul wrote this. Both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Here is Paul making a strong statement about slavery. Some people say, oh, you know, the Bible condones slavery and all this. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It acknowledges it, and there are passages like this where the apostle Paul said, you know, now in Christ, we need to stop treating each other like we're each other's property. We need to treat each other as children of God and human beings, and this is what he says here. You need to understand that Onesimus is a fellow man. He is a human being. But he is also now a brother in Christ because he's accepted Christ and you've accepted Christ and you guys now are part of God's family. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, Paul writes, welcome him as you would welcome me. And this is key in verse 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Here again, this is the gospel message. The apostle Paul is kinda of taking the, the place like Christ would as a mediator between two parties that are alienated from each other. And Paul tells Phil, if he stole anything from you, I'm telling you on my word, I will pay the price so that you're made whole, and when Oni returns, he owes you nothing. That's awesome. That is a portrait of grace. So Paul was willing to pay the price that he didn't owe so that there could be reconciliation between Oni and Phil. And that's the message of the gospel. Christ paid a price for you and I that he did not owe. He never sinned. You and I have. And he said, I'm going to pay that price so that there can be reconciliation between God and people. It's amazing. Verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, and I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I love how he just keeps reminding Phil. Don't forget, it's because of me and God working through me that you've accepted Christ and you're one of us now. Um, Verse 20, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul's telling Phil, this would really be a blessing and refresh me if you would receive Oni and forgive him. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, I love this, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in an answer to your prayers. Maybe you don't see this, but here again is the message of the gospel. Paul is kind of putting the pressure on Phil to say, you know, I want you to make this choice, but here's the reality. You guys need to work things out. I am willing to pay the price and we'll do it so that you guys can work things out. And oh, by the way, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I'm gonna stay with you. And I wanna see you guys reconciled. What does that sound like? Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins. He says that we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. We're to make that choice. And Jesus says, oh yeah, and I'm preparing a place for you, but you need to prepare a place for me because I'm coming back. Be ready for my presence, and I want this to be a joyous thing for us, to rejoice in this reconciliation. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. And then he finishes out his letter, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is why I titled this letter really in this message today, A Portrait of Grace. It's a story of grace, of course, of Paul receiving the grace of Christ and then him sharing the gospel and Philemon accepting that grace and then Onesimus accepting that grace. And so each of them had a part that they needed to do if there was gonna be harmony. So I'll call this three-part harmony. Oni's part was, as he had accepted Christ, he needed to be willing to submit to what Christ would have him do, not only spiritually, but to try to get reconciled with his owner. I know that's a terrible uh, way to refer to it, but his master, really Christ was Oni's master now, he knew that, but he wanted to get reconciled with his earthly master. Paul's part was Paul was willing to forfeit his own comfort and his possessions to pay any price of damages that Oni might have brought upon Phil. And so Paul had a part in this harmony. He was willing to be the mediator and to help pay a price. And then Phil's part of this three-part harmony, if it was really going to happen, is Phil needed to be willing to acquit Oni and say, yes, you left me and you cost me money, but you know what? I forgive you. I acquit you of everything. And more than that, I'm receiving you back not as a slave anymore, but I'm going to give you your freedom because you're my brother in Christ. Again, we don't know that that happened, but that is what this letter is expressing. If we're really going to see harmony in our relationships, this is what needed to happen. Myself, I would like to think, I don't know, but I would like to think that this actually happened. In fact, it's quite likely that Onesimus probably delivered the letter himself from Paul and took it to Philemon. So we know that Oni took that step of faith and went back. And because we have that letter from Philemon, or the letter from Paul to Philemon, and it's still part of the scriptures today, it's quite likely that Phil forgave Oni. And that letter became such a famous letter because it was an example of God's reconciliation um, through Christ, which I mentioned three part harmony, actually, this is four part harmony because the fourth and the most important person is Christ. He is the one that has paid the price for your sin and my sin. He gives us the most beautiful portrait of grace. He says, no matter what you 've done i 'm offering forgiveness. I do want you to live according to my way if you 're going to follow me. Remember I said one of the uh, one of the definitions of follow." Is obey and we don't like that we bristle at it but yet when you buy something that you need to assemble you need to follow the directions in other words you need to read what the directions say and then do it so you put it together right that's obedience you're obeying the directions and so in our life God extends that grace but grace is an excuse to just continue to then live and do whatever you want we need to begin to conform to how Christ wants us to live And so we need to learn to begin to follow him and honor him with our life. If we will do that, then again, God promises there can not only be forgiveness for our sins with God, but there can can begin to be forgiveness and reconciliation with each other. So what about you and I today? As we hear this message, how can you maybe relate to this in some way? That's really the challenge. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to you in your heart? Is there someone that you need to ask for forgiveness and approach them? Is there somebody who's offended you that you need to say, um, you know, what you did was not good and it wasn't right, but I'm choosing to forgive you? And maybe, again, if you've done something wrong and you're nervous about it, maybe you just need to contact that person and say, you know, I, I recognize we've been at odds and I'm sorry and I want it to be right, and so will you forgive me and let's forgive each other and move on. Or maybe you can be the mediator maybe you can be like the Apostle Paul and say, you know what, I want to step in and and try to bring these two parties together. Because now, if we do that, we're really living by grace. Our response to God's grace in Christ is this, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. That's a choice we make, just like you chose to Put whatever clothing on you've got today. I made that choice today. We can choose to put on these character traits and these things that God wants us to do. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. That is a Valentine's Day message, and it is a portrait of grace. Will you respond to God's love for you and begin to learn to live that out and share it with others? Would you stand and let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I do thank you so much for this short letter, but it gives us so much information And thank you, Lord, that as we take the time to really study your word and all of your word in its entirety, not just one little section that says what we think we want it to say, Lord, give us wisdom as we read your scripture and as we interpret it and as we seek to apply it to your life. So I thank you for preserving this brief letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, and I thank you for Onesimus, quite likely, delivering this letter back and for the reconciliation that you offer to all of us, no matter what our circumstance in life. Please help us, Lord, Um, no matter what other people do, help us to respond in the way that you want, that we truly can follow you and honor you with our life. And if there's someone here today that's running from their past um, or chasing, realizing they're chasing after the wrong things, I pray that today they'll open their heart and life to you, Jesus, and be like Phil and Oni, and receive you as their Savior and allow you to begin to change their life. In your precious name I pray, amen.